Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome everyone to Dragon Quest FM where we talk about and obsess over Dragon Quest. My name's Austin. I'm Luca. You're not Luca. Oh, I could be. It's my story. <laughs> it's your story. It is your story. <laughs> this week, we're talking about Dragon Quest, your story. Uh, we finally made it. We're here. We watched a Dragon Quest movie, and it was even in English. If Officially. You wanted, if you wanted to watch it in English. Yeah. Uh, so uh, thanks to it coming out on Netflix on February 13th. Uh, BJ and I, along with lots and lots of other Dragon Quest fans, all got to watch it this past week. Uh, so we were trying to like give like about a buffer week between the movie coming right. out and us doing the podcast because today is all about spoilers. <laughs> yes, this is going to be very, very, very spoiler heavy. So the movie is an hour 42 long. So you should probably definitely go watch the movie if you care about that kind of thing. So please uh, don't yell at us for talking spoilers because we're telling you now spoilery spoiler things are coming ahead to spoil things for you. And if you don't have Netflix, because I've seen several people online say they don't have Netflix, they can't afford Netflix, right? whatever their situation may be, you can get a free trial of Netflix. And you can use a VPN to make sure that you show up in the United States, because I know that it is not in certain uh, countries still at this moment. So if you uh, VPN yourself into the United States, you can use a free trial and get it. Yeah. So maybe that'll help some people out who are listening that maybe think they can't watch Dragon Quest Your Story. Well, you can and for free, theoretically. <laughs> theoretically. I've done stuff like that a lot. So, yeah, it's it's possible. Oh, yeah. I, I sign up for the seven day free trial of HBO like all the time on Amazon because they yeah. seem to always have a seven day trial going. And I'm waiting for them to finish up the uh, the uh, the outsider, the Stephen King book that was turned right. into a show. I'm waiting for them to get all the episodes out so that I can do the free trial of HBO again for seven days and just like binge those 10 episodes. Uh, that makes sense. <laughs> because I don't, I don't want to pay for it, but I, I'll just wait for them to come out. And I mean, I think the last episode is in like a few more weeks. So, okay. That's not going to be We're bad to wait there. then. Yeah. But I really liked the book and, and the show looks interesting. So I'm wanting to give it a try. For real. Like I didn't, I don't know anything about that one. So I, I want to hear you, your take on it. Yeah, the book is really good. I mean, we don't have time to talk about it today, but the book, <laughs> the book is super good. Um, but for today, uh, we're kind of dividing up the movie into three parts, kind of like the game Dragon Quest V, which the movie is loosely kind of sort of based, based on. on. I mean, it's mostly based it's on. It's based on it. It's just not, it doesn't follow it beat by beat. Th there are enough differences that if you haven't watched the movie like my wife and kids haven't played the games, but they watched the movie. Uh, then they, they still liked the movie. They understood what was happening. They kind of got what was going on for the most part. I didn't have to do too much explaining to them and they still enjoyed it. So it's different enough that if you haven't played the game and then if you have, if you haven't played the game and you watch the movie, don't necessarily don't play the game and think you're going to get the same story that you just got in the movie. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Like, like they're definitely separate. Um, and so, but because it's divided up into three parts, the game, uh, the movie, we're kind of dividing up today's episode into three parts. Uh, so we're going to be talking about the beginning uh, when our hero, he's called Luca in the movie, uh, when Luca's a kid, the middle part where, you know, he's an adult, he's fallen in love, all that fun stuff. And then the very end, uh, when he's got a kid of his own and when a lot of stuff goes down, like a whole lot of stuff goes down. A whole down. lot of stuff. Uh, and also BJ's back. Yeah, hey! In case you guys didn't notice, uh, Grace was here uh, last week for Valentine's Day. That was a lot of fun. Uh, and we also have a new Patreon patron. We had him last week, but I, I already forced Grace to sing the shameless self-promotion song uh, <laughs> on the fly. And so I didn't want 
to make her imitate one of your real nice thank yous. Uh, so we're waiting on BJ to come back. Uh, so today we need to give a real nice thank you to Chris Rowland. Chris Rowland! You're the newest patron! Yay! We love you! We thank you! Yeah, thanks so much, Chris. Uh, we really appreciate you. And uh, that sounded a lot like Oprah. I got to be honest with you. Everybody gets a Chris Roland. You get a Chris Roland. You get a Chris Roland. <laughs> but seriously, <laughs> you kind of sounded like Oprah there. Um, I mean, that's fine. Oprah's cool. I like Oprah. Yeah, I like Oprah fine, too. I don't know. I, I, I don't think I've ever watched her show, but, you know. Really? I mean, my mom watched it when I was growing up and it was like on in the TV. But I mean, I was a kid and I had other better things to do than watch Oprah. <laughs> That's the difference between you and me. You watched Oprah as a kid, like legit yeah. sat down and just was, watched Oprah. Yeah, it was on TV. I had like four channels. I was going to watch. Of course, I'm watching Oprah. I mean, I had I had four channels as well, but I was like playing with toys or like a Super Nintendo or something. I mean, I was doing I don't something. Know. Oprah oh. was on. Okay, well, there you go. Uh, so first off, let's talk about uh, the beginning when Luca's a kid uh, and all that. Now, um, personally, I thought the beginning stuff that was in there was good, but it was very rushed. Luca's childhood. Rushed. Yeah, Luca's childhood is, is really rushed. So... Um, so what are your general thoughts here on the, on the beginning? Well, it actually surprised me in the beginning that it had the, uh, super Famicom game going through with the text and everything in Japanese, uh, with the Netflix having subtitles on it, telling you what it said, but it went through the game with all of that stuff. It was the original one, not the DS remake or anything. It was the, uh, very original one 2d and told it like that. Like I thought that was really cool them doing it that way, but it felt really, really rushed. And, uh, they, they really powered through to get you to where, uh, he was going to be a, a kid rather than like a baby or anything. And even then it was, you know, he, it was it was very fast, and I didn't really uh, connect with any of those characters for a while. Yeah, I think uh, I think uh, you know my wife and kids were kind of the same way. Um, I, I expected Pankraz's death to be like Mufasa in The Lion King, where mm-hmm. you're following Luca as a kid, and that's kind of how it feels in the game. And you have this you know heroic father and all of that kind of stuff. Who is a king, by the way? They never bring that up in the movie. But Pankras is the king of Gotha in, in the games. Like um, they kind of mentioned that, like they refer to Luca as like your highness and things like that, like Sancho does. And but your majesty. Just, yeah. And your majesty. But it's like never specifically like says that, I don't think. Yeah. And you've watched it like three times in one day. I have so watched it like twice in one day. A third time was a couple of days after it came out. Yes. I have okay. watched it three times in a week, <laughs> but yeah, you, I know that it was at least two that first day. I thought you would watch it again that night as well, but I guess I was, I had gotten things uh, conflated. Yeah. So, um, so for me, the, the super Famicom opening, I really enjoyed it. And I thought it kind of set the tone for the fact that it's your story and just what yep. exactly the movie is and is about, uh, which I know we'll get to later on in the episode. But uh, I, I like that part. I was a little disappointed because it's the only time you see Bianca and Nira as kids. Mm-hmm. And then you see them as adults and Luca and Nira and Bianca are all talking about how they're like, you know, went on adventures and they know each other from childhood and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But you never saw like them in like the CGI renders, you know, in the beginning parts of the movie. Mm-hmm. It just showed it showed the Super Famicom uh, Bianca and Nira, but that was it. And um, so I was a little disappointed in that because that that kind of you know it was rushed there. And then with Pankraz, it was like I felt like he was such an important part of Dragon Quest V's story that I right. expected him to be a much more important part to your story story yeah. and, and, and it's, and it's kind of not, it's really just like, they definitely rushed through. It was just like, okay, here's, you know, this kid, he loves his dad a lot. His dad gets killed. He gets sold into slavery. And then that's it. Uh, I, I will say though, that the, the stuff that's in there that exists between Pankras and Luca 
is like some really beautiful, like sad stuff. Like one of my favorite parts in the entire movie is actually at the beginning here when Luca is he's following Pancras and he's being careful to step in his dad's footprints in the snow. Yeah. And I'm just like, man, like that's a really like beautiful moment. I feel like. Yeah, it's very well done to show that relationship between uh, father and son and how the son looked up to him. I just feel like if they had spent another 10, 15 minutes developing that relationship more, that uh, that Pancras's death and then just kind of the emotional weight from childhood would have uh, packed a bigger punch, I guess. Mm. Um, and, you know, maybe that's just me nitpicking. That is, honestly, it, you know, this is really the only negative thing you're going to hear me say about this movie today, just so you guys know. I just didn't like the beginning very much. Um, yeah, I mean, because it was rushed. And it was rushed. I mean, and I haven't played the game other than just a. have played the beginning of the game. And so it's not as though it doesn't make any sense. It's just really jam packed together. And the movie runs an hour 42. So it it's already a fairly long animated movie. Like usually I think of an animated movie being about 90 minutes. So for this to be over 100, it really uh, it really just kind of of. Uh, strikes me as being a longer animated movie but it like really they could have added a few more minutes in to make the beginning of it not feel like oh it, that it actually is a prologue and it's like okay and, all right and i think of animated movies being longer now i think it's because of like pixar syndrome because you have pixar movies that always last an hour 45 and maybe even uh, talk about it two hours and disney movies have kind of turned in that direction and even like how to train your dragon and some of those animated movies. Um, Maybe so. Like, so to me, the fact that it's an hour and 42 minutes, I'm like, yeah, that's how long animated movies are now. (laughs) Okay. See, and and for me, I don't watch nearly as many of them as I used to. So I'm still stuck in the nineties with 90 minutes being the cutoff for animation. Yeah. Pixar came along and they were just like, animated movies are going to be long now. And now, (laughs) now all of them are. I mean, The Incredibles and Incredibles 2 are both like two hours, I think. They are, and I actually feel like they're a little bit too long. Uh, 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 your wife is going to kill Jennifer's you. I know, Jennifer's going to kill me. <laughs> I know, Jennifer's going to kill me. Y'all, if y'all don't know, The Incredibles is my f- wife's favorite movie ever, and uh, The Incredibles 2 is really, really good, but not quite as good as the first one. But yeah, she'll kill me when she hears that. If she hears that, she's not going to listen to it. She's never listened to one of my podcasts. <laughs> uh, but speaking, so p- speaking of Pixar, the movie definitely has kind of a Disney Pixar uh, CGI look to it. Yeah, Um, it does. It feels a lot more like one of those movies than it does like a DreamWorks or an Illumination animated movie. Like it's really high quality. That's what, yeah, that's what my wife was saying is she thought it felt more kind of like a a Frozen type Disney Mm -hmm. movie than than DreamWorks or even just like an anime movie. You know, yeah. like like she doesn't like anime at all. So she was kind of like, I don't know if I'm going to like this. And I'd already watched it once and we were watching it with my oldest daughter, Naomi. And Naomi had really wanted to watch it because she likes Dragon Quest. And, you know, we got 20 minutes into it, I guess. And Grace liked it. And then once it got up to like Luca actually meeting Nira and Bianca, then she was yeah. like, OK, I'm invested now. <laughs> right. And I get that. I'm glad that she was too. It surprised me when you told me that she really liked it. Yeah, and I think I think with the animation and everything, I know some people were mad that they didn't use Akira Toriyama's uh, mm-hmm. like Dragon Quest art style, um, but I really thought the CGI worked really well for the film, and I thought yeah. I thought it was really I thought the animation was just like great. I mean, it was gorgeous. The th- there's things that are done with like lighting and just like this attention to detail in certain scenes that just is very high quality. And I, I mean, I was really impressed. It didn't seem, I guess the biggest thing was that uh, sometimes video game movies, like movies based on books or whatever, they some can sometimes feel like cash grabs. Yeah. Um, and you know, Cooney, but they kind of feel just kind of like cash, cash grabs that didn't have a lot of like heart or thought put into them. Okay. And I feel like the dragon quest movie, um, had a lot of thought put into it for people who hated the ending. They might argue that it had too much thought put into it. <laughs> um, but to me, at least I felt like it had a lot of just like just thought and heart, you know, was injected right. into this movie uh, to try to make something uh, 
that was very high quality uh, and enjoyable for both somebody like myself who, you know, has played these Dragon Quest games and loves them. And, you know, people like my wife and my daughter who haven't really played the games, but um, they could still enjoy this movie. And I think that uh, this one is definitely a love letter to the fans that this one is is hitting on nostalgia as much as it is trying to bring in new people to love the franchise. So I think they really walked a, a fine balance on that, that there were moments where it was very heavy handed, but not in a terribly bad way. I like the ending of the movie. I thought it worked really well. I think that uh, overall, the art style worked for what they're doing in the movie, and it looks enough like the Dragon Quest uh, Toriyama stuff that I'm not upset by it. I mean, you don't have the Toriyama art or necessarily even the same models or style in the DQ Heroes games in the CGI movies and things like that. It's what it looked like to me. Oh, really? See, I think Dragon Quest Heroes still very much has that. It's like Dragon Quest Eleven. It still kind of has that Toriyama. It's just CGI, more CGI renders of Toriyama art. Yeah, see, and that's... Games. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but anyway, the other thing, uh, other than the animation, the other thing that really surprised me with this movie uh, is how funny it is. Like, it's super funny. Yeah, it is. Like, I actually laughed out loud a few times at this one. Yeah, I did too. And that's rare for me to laugh out loud at a movie when I'm alone. That So it actually has to be really legitimately uh, funny for me to to do, to laugh out loud. So there were, there were some good moments in this. Yeah, and I'm the same way. I, if I laugh out loud at something, uh, which I did in this movie, then and I'm by myself. I always look around like somebody's gonna is spying on me and thinks I'm crazy <laughs> because I'm laughing yep. by myself in an empty room. Um, but, you know... For, Early parts uh, when he's an adult, you know, the stuff with Harry when they're like rubbing themselves with like poop <laughs> and hiding in the barrels. And then there's the scene where they they plop out and they're pretending to be dead in the barrels yep. made me laugh out loud. And it whenever did. I was watching it with Naomi and Grace, Naomi, especially, she just like lost it at that point. Like she thought it was so hilarious. And then right after that, when they're being chased, like in the barrel by the monsters and everything. I mean, just that whole sequence, she like adored it. Um, and so and I, I liked part of that and that it kept going through the entire movie with Dr. Agen calling him stinky. Captain Stinky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so speaking of Dr. Agen, I was just a little disappointed that the Dr. Agen of the movie is like this wise uh, old man instead of the Ned Flanders uh bj type uh, <laughs> person that he is in here five where he's like well goshly do diddly i'm dr agon you gotta rest yeah I'm, I'm the same way like i was hoping it would be that especially after our bj or dr agon episode i was like i wonder what this guy's gonna sound like and they just went a very straight wise old man route with him yeah and i think for the movie it works because you kind of need that character right um you kind of need that type of character for this. And so I thought it worked fine, but it wasn't initially, it was a little jarring, I guess is the right word, yeah. because um, I was not expecting Dr. Agon. I knew his look like back whenever, like six months ago, whenever they showed off what Dr. Agon looked like in the movie, I was like, man, he doesn't look very goofy. He looks kind of like this Zen type old man. Yep. You know? And uh, so, you know, I think it works in the movie, but was kind of jarring. And same thing for like Bianca not having that like Scottish accent um, really threw me off, especially because she even has the Scottish accent with the voice actor when she's in Heroes. Oh, I didn't even realize. Yeah. So she's got the accent if you're just reading it, you know, in five and then she's got it in Heroes with voice acting. And so I was expecting her to have this accent. And so uh, that took me a little time to get used to because I'm so used to Bianca being Scottish and right. then she wasn't in this movie. And so, so that was, that, that was kind of like the whole Dr. Agon thing is I was just kind of like, huh, very, uh, I mean, it was fine, but it was just kind of like a, a thing that took some getting used to. And the same thing with Sancho, you know, Sancho has a very thick Spanish accent in the games. Right. Um, like it's almost like caricature. 
and he had no accent in the movies. Uh, Rodrigo Briscoletti has a thick Italian accent and speaks in like spaghetti puns. Like he, uses, uh, like, like he speaks with a lot of puns that have to do with Italian cuisine right? Uh, in the game. And, and I mean, I get why that wouldn't work in the movie, but it's yeah. still, it was still uh, just kind of odd meeting these characters and them not having accents when I've been so used to them having accents because of the game. And I could see that. I don't have any kind of idea with that, like of what they sound like. So when I like heard Bianca, I was like, oh, I really like her voice actress. Like, I really like the voice actor who did that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Lodja, when we're talking about voice acting, I mm-hmm. thought uh, the voice actor for Bishop Lodja did like a very great job um, with making him sound just kind of like this insane magician. He sounded like Mark Hamill doing the Joker to me. Oh, I thought he sounded like Jafar from Aladdin, the, the, oh, okay. the original Aladdin. Yeah, okay, yeah, I could hear that. Yeah, um, but yeah, definitely that kind of character. I actually was afraid that Naomi was going to be afraid of Bishop Laja. I could see it too. Es- especially after he throws that fireball at Pankraz and there's like that scream that seems to go on for all eternity yep. while he's getting burned up. Um, but I was like, man, and then whenever he holds kid Luca to his face and he's got just like this insane smile and like cross eyes yep. and it's really intense. And I looked at Naomi and I was trying to just kind of laugh it off and stuff. Yeah. And Naomi, she's like smiling and she's talking about Bishop Lodja. Now she's like, his cape looks beautiful. I wish I had a cape like that. <laughs> I was like, so I was like, okay, cool. We're good. She's not scared. <laughs> she just yeah. wants his cape. <laughs> hey, that's all right. That's that. That's what you want. <laughs> Uh, so, so yeah, apparently he wasn't as scary as I thought he was. So getting into the middle of the movie here, uh, I felt like the, uh, that's when the movie really kind of hit its stride was whenever, uh, he meets up with Nira and Bianca at that point. And I mean, yep. that's, that's a huge chunk of, of Dragon Quest five as well. But, uh, I, I think all the stuff that happens in there, uh, like, it's really well done. You have, you have the actiony type stuff with Bjorn, the behemoth going on. You have this love triangle stuff that's happening. Uh, you still have that kind of like slapstick comedy with the Mm -hmm. battle sequences and different, um, like comedic timing that's going on because of the romance. Um, and then, you know, it's also pushing the plot forward. So I feel like all the things that really work in this movie, uh, they're all happening at the same time at this, at this point in the movie. Yeah, that's my favorite part of the movie as well, just when all of this stuff is going on. I like the stuff when he gets there and is about to take on uh, Bjorn. All the stuff right before and right after Bjorn are my favorite parts. Mm-hmm. And like, so in this one, like during that point, like during the DS and mobile versions, this is where Deborah comes in, isn't it? Like, yeah. Deborah's not at all in uh, your story, which surprises me because you still have the choice between wives and, uh, the main character, Luca doesn't get to choose Deborah at all because she seemingly doesn't exist. She doesn't exist in the movie. Yeah. And I mean, it's based on the Famicom version, the super Famicom version, which makes sense because I mean, very heavily throughout all of it, it's talking about the super Famicom version, even showing it. So I guess that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I'm like, y'all updated it. Where's Deborah? Yeah, I, I don't really like Deborah, so I'm just kind of like whatever. Um, but still, she's she's part of it. She's part of my story, Austin. I guess she's part of your story. I mean, I mean, she she wasn't playable until the DS version. DS version, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I I don't know. To me, as someone who doesn't really care about Deborah, the fact that De- that Deborah is not in the movie didn't phase me at all. I'm just like, whatever, we're good. Like. You know, Nira and Bianca are the are the, still the main two. They're the ones that made it into the hero spinoffs. They're the one that have action figures alongside Luca coming mm-hmm. out with the Bring Arts figures. I mean, I don't know. I I think Deborah was kind of just like a an extra character to put in for the DS to have something kind of new in there. Oh, I'm sure, absolutely. And um, so I I don't know that that didn't really uh, bug me too bad that she was not in there. Um, right. One thing that I thought was odd, but I liked, is so in in the in Dragon Quest V, you don't have to feel bad if you don't pick Nira because there's this guy. He's kind of a goober, but his name is Crispin. That okay. that Nira is obviously in love with. Okay, and so if you pick Bianca, 
Nira's actually happy because now she gets to marry the guy she's really in love with. Okay. So it's not a huge deal. It's nothing sad. He's not in the movie at all. And instead, they have Nira. She turns into a witch. You don't know it at the time. And she kind of like helps Luca remember um, something he told his younger self when he was traveling through time and all that kind of stuff. You know, she makes him drink a potion. She does all that stuff. But the witch she turns into it looks suspiciously like Madame Luca, Luca from Dragon Quest Six. Yep, which I thought was kind of cool. And, and you posted a uh, Twitter, like you posted a tweet on Twitter uh, with pictures of that, showing that they do pretty much look exactly the same. Yeah, I mean you have you have DQ Six Madame Luca, you have your story Madame Luca, if you want to call her that, and then you have Luca Luca. It's just a whole bunch of Lucas. And I just, um, anyway, I thought it was cool, but it's also kind of um, coincidence. I think not uh, in terms of just the name, you know, Luca. Oh yeah, absolutely not. Um, so I, I thought, I thought that was cool in terms of just a, a, an addition to the movie that wasn't in the games, you know, you're talking and about then- Deborah being removed, but they kind of added Madame Luca in. So I thought that was neat. And then there was the whole when he drank the potion and goes into like a subconsciousness and stuff. It hints at the ending of the game or the ending of the movie and you don't even know it. Yeah. Not it, at that point. Yeah. And that was my thing is that, too, is that there's lots of hints in the movie about what the ending is going to be. Like there's lots of times when when characters will be like this time there's blah, blah, blah. And then after like the third time he says it, even Luca is like, what do you mean this time? Mm. I, I didn't notice the first time watching it because I've only seen it the once. But when I see it again, I'll pay attention for that. Yeah. And so I thought I thought that was kind of cool that there were these um, things, these seeds being planted that kind of gave into that. And then like the game, uh, eventually you get turned to stone. You have a baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, you only have one in the movie. Instead of Perry and Matchin, you get one boy. His name is a- Alice. Alice, yeah, A L U S. Um, and he he's you know he's the chosen one. He's gonna uh, wield the Zenithian sword and all of that kind of stuff. You get turned to stone. The sequences there are a little bit different. Um, you know, the first of all, Bianca and Luca are not turned to stone together, and then in the game. Luca is bought by a rich family and hmm. becomes a lawn decoration and Bianca's statue gets taken back home by one of the pervert auctioneers. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Cause he's like, man, this statue is pretty nice looking. I'm going to take it home with me. Yeah. Um, that's, that's gross. And so, um, I, I mean, it's played for laughs. It's a really funny part of the game, but, uh, Oh yeah, I know. I'm just like, that's gross. Uh, but uh, you know, and it's one of my favorite parts in the game. It's when it shows the seasons passing and like th- there's this family, they have a son, you see him kind of growing up. Then mm-hmm. the world starts getting darker, kind of like it does in the movie. Some monsters kidnap the kid, um, y- you know, and all this stuff is happening in the movie. They speed it up a little bit. Right. Um, and then I did think it was nice that they showed, they show in the movie, Sancho brings little baby, uh, mm-hmm. Alice to see a uh, statue Luca. Yep. I thought that was sweet. That's not in the games. And it was sweet. Like it, it was to let him know who his, who his Papa was. Yeah. It's like, it's like Luca following Pancras's footsteps in the snow. It's one of those like very blink, like blink and you'll miss it moments, but it's like super sweet if you do notice it. Yep. And there was a, like during this whole thing, there are two parts that really irritated me uh, for all through all of this, like that that didn't that didn't make sense or were just like, man, that's silly. Where like when when Alice was being born, it had Sancho and Luca outside the uh, the house, and so Bianca's in there giving birth completely by herself. That there is no one else in that house, and she delivers her own baby you got, while they're hiding outside. You got Gutrude and Percy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you got a slime <laughs> and a saber cat. Like, I didn't even see them in there. Were they in there? I, I don't know. Like, they're not outside. I, they're not outside with them. It's just Sancho and Luca are outside, right? Like, and, I think so. And then I think, and then I think it shows Gutrude and Percy like around the bed when the kid is born. Okay, so I did, I may not have noticed that, but that's still like I'm just like 
She just delivered her own baby. And, like, and Luca, it, dude, you're supposed to be the hero, and you make your wife deliver her own child? And, like, that's dangerous, bro. And it's it's because in in the game, you, you know, you go back, to, you, you finally make it back to the kingdom of Gotha. Pankraz's brother, your uncle, is sitting on the throne. He turns the throne over to Luca as the rightful king. Right. Uh, when I was playing Dragon Quest V, I kept thinking that your uncle was a bad guy because he just he's very happy to see you. And he's like, sure, you can have this throne. Right. And I'm like, he's waiting to stab me in my sleep. But he's not. He's just a good guy because it's a Dragon Quest game. So it's not cynical. Um, <laughs> so so, you know, he's a nice guy, but he but you're king at that point. And so when Bianca has the baby, it mirrors Pankraz and Mata giving birth to you as oh, OK as, in the beginning of the game. So like the hero in the game is pacing back and forth and then Bianca is giving birth and there's like, you know, nursemaids and stuff in right. there and they're like, it's a boy, it's a girl and, and that kind of stuff. So, and they, they are not in the movie and it's like, man, Bianca, you tough. And so like just after this, right. So he's got this baby. Uh-huh. So he's got the baby. He goes out and he gets turned to stone while Alice is still a baby. Yeah. And so he comes like Alice comes and saves him eventually and, you know, throws the scepter at him. He turns to stone and he realizes this is my son. He's like, my son has grown up. It's like eight years, eight years old. He's like, but he recognizes that he's his son. Mm -hmm. And so in his brain, he's like, I've missed eight years of his life. Like he says something about that and I'll make this up to you. And, you know, uh, I just like, no, actually, that's Bianca later on. But he's like, you know, you're my son. And he, rec- he sees him grown up. He sees him being an eight-year-old. Mm-hmm. And then Sancho comes up and he's like, Sancho, you look old. What happened? And it's like, dude, you just saw an eight-year-old kid that you knew was a baby. And you don't think Sancho aged any during <laughs> these eight years? And Sancho's like, well, it's been eight years, man. I, I got older. And it's like, this is like within 10 seconds of each other. And I'm like, what is going on? Like... Why would that be a part of the script? I feel like that harkens back to the game, though. Sorry for using the term harkens. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, jar. Put a dollar in the jar, Austin. But it's because um, Sancho is kind of that kind of character. He's like Jerry in Parks and Rec, um, where he's he's kind of that character where he's very loyal and he's always following you around and he's kind of this clumsy buffoon. And he's always just like... He's thinking of others' needs instead of his own. And then there's different parts where other, where other characters are like, like, you know, like, hey, Alice, I'm so happy to see you. Sancho, man, you look old. <laughs> like, I like, could... like that kind of feels like how that character was in the game even. Because I felt really bad for Sancho the whole time. He's just this loyal dude that, that I feel like, all the characters take for granted. Yep, and the world just dumps on. Yeah. It's just like, man. But yeah, I was like, Sancho, you got old. Here, look at my eight-year-old child. Why are you older, Sancho? <laughs> and it's like, dude, you know time passes. It yeah. was like you, you you knew that you were gone for eight years. It bothered me so much. Yeah, and then n- not long after that, you have what is probably my daughter's favorite part. Okay. Which is the scene where Gutrude bites the arrow in slow yes. motion. It is the best scene in the movie. <laughs> it 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 was I mean, it was fine. I liked it, but I would have had like it would not have stood out to me had Naomi not cackled for like three solid minutes about it. So that when Gutrude grabs the arrow in midair and Luca like slingshots off of off of her, and then also, when uh, when Luca rides Gutrude like a sled around the Hunter Killer machines, mm-hmm. where it was just like, man, that is awesome. It's like I want to ride a slime like it's uh, like like a bobsled. Like it was awesome. <laughs> like those were my two favorite scenes because uh-huh. I think Gutrude is my favorite character. <laughs> you, you just like blue slimes. <laughs> I do. Uh, so not long after that, we get to kind of the the big. Uh, like climactic battle uh, of this movie. So they show up, they rescue Bianca, kind of sort of similarly to how it goes in the game. Uh, You meet your mom briefly before she dies, which is very similar to what happens in the game. And then um, you have all these like old friends show up um, unexpectedly at yep. least to me, because it doesn't happen in the game. 
But yeah, it have- just came out of nowhere. It's it's like uh, I know people have complained about this with Rise of Skywalker. It's like all of a sudden Lando shows up with the entire galaxy, and it's like okay. See that this didn't feel that bad to me because Harry in the game and in the movie is like you know I promise I'll make it up to you kind of thing. Right. So as soon as he shows up with that army, I was super glad that they brought him back. Okay. Because I really like Harry and the hero's relationship in that game. Yeah. Because he start Harry starts off as just such a brat, like you just want to. He does. You just want to like drown him in that temple, and then, <laughs> and then, you know, time advances, and you've been slaves for like ten years, and you're like BFFs now, and Harry's, Harry's become more humble, um, because you know, ten years of slavery will do that to a guy, I guess. I'm assuming. <laughs> I don't know. I have no experience with that, but I guess. And uh, so. Uh, so I really liked that he shows up. I love that Bjorn um, is your friend in the movie, like that you oh, actually no. befriend him. And I he's just, it. I like that he's like just throwing a an old ship, like hundreds of feet, maybe yep. thousands of feet up into the air that just like crash lands to have this like epic battle sequence at the end. Uh-huh. Of the and I like that, you know, that he's your friend in the middle of the movie where it's like his eyes change color for no reason whatsoever. He just looks at you and is like, "Oh, I'm your friend now." It's because he's your friend. Yeah, the, the monsters, the monsters when you're fi- when they're I say your, but when they're fighting them in this movie, the monsters right. have those kind of like yellow, evil, glowy eyes. Oh yeah, they do. And when they're your friends, they're they're not that way anymore. I know, it's just funny he became friends and his eyes changed. It's uh like I love that you become Bjorn's friend. Like I hate it that that's not part of the game. Mm-hmm. Like that it makes and I know you said in the the Patreon mini episode that we did where it's like he's much meaner in the uh, in the game, but it's like, "Oh, I really liked Bjorn in this." And I like the end of he's like, "Don't forget me." And like throws Alice toward uh Nimzo. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, oh, it's like, I can't forget you, Bjorn. You're my buddy. And I find out I kill him in the game. And it's like, I don't want to kill my buddy, Bjorn. Bjorn, he shows up to the uh, the Grammys in a swan dress. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. We're over. All right. Like, not the podcast. You and me as friends. <laughs> We're done. So... So before we get to the ending, you just mentioned it. So let's tell people about that. We do have, we recorded a new Patreon exclusive mini-sode uh, for all of our patrons to listen to. And that uh, will be live by the time you guys listen to this episode uh, on Friday. So you can be sure to check that out uh, in it. Uh, we just kind of play a game because BJ hasn't played Dragon Quest V very much, but he's seen the movie. Uh, so we play a little game that we call... Uh, game, movie, or both, and I just kind of read some stuff that happens, and BJ tries to guess if it's a game, if it's from the movie, or if it's both, and there's a lot on the line, because if he loses, then he owes me $100, so you'll have to find out (laughs) if if he owes me $100 or not. (laughs) I just want you guys also to realize that I got a text message about this game before we played it, and apparently I got suckered. (laughs) I did. I did. I grifted you. You did. Trying to give me a hundred dollars. You did. So now let's talk about uh, the super spoilery ending. Um, So this is how the ending goes down. There's this huge twist. If you didn't know about it already, Uh, it's revealed that the big bad guy is not Grandmaster Nimzo after all, but it's a virus named virus uh, and some hackers in the real world who think video games are for children, they've put this virus into a Dragon Quest VR experience in order to teach adults a lesson uh, because they don't think adults should be playing video games. And so you find out that Luca, he's actually a player from our world. His name is Luca because he named the hero after himself, like a lot of us do, right? Right. Uh, And uh, so you have that small flashback that shows Luca in the real world. He even like asks if there can be robots this time, which explains why all of the like killing machines are in that one scene that we were and talking about with Gutrude. And it's wonderful because in the movie, like when he's going to like say when they say the fairies are protected by robots, like he or somebody else is like, well, that's kind of random, isn't it? And they're like, it's the way it is, man. Robots. And so I love that they work that in as well into the narrative of the story. It's like, yeah, there are robots here now. It's cool. And then after it steps back to the game, uh, it's revealed that Gutrude 
is an antidote and can kill virus and save the world uh, by giving the hero Erdrick sword. Yes. And, and, and delightful. And Gutrude ha- is a man. <laughs> yep. Gutrude, you learn then, like, is, has a very deep voice. <laughs> it works so well. <laughs> yes. So, um, so that's, that's kind of the whole twist that some people seem to hate. Some people, like myself, uh, seem to love. I noticed. So here's one thing I want to say really quickly, too, is that maybe Western audiences approve of this ending a lot more uh, because the, the online, like the IMD ratings and stuff for this movie have gone, have gone up drastically. Like it was at like a two when it was only out in Japan on IMDb. Right. And since it's out on Netflix, uh, I checked it before we recorded this today and it's up to a 6.6. Oh, wow. That's actually higher than it was the other day because uh, it's consistently rising this week because when uh, I was talking to somebody on Twitter the other day, it was at like 5.2. And so now if it's into the like, what'd you say? 6.6? 6.6 was what it was right before we recorded. Yeah. So it's gained that much audience traction just over the last week because I think that was Saturday. Like we're recording this early. So yeah, it's not even been a full week. Yeah, and I, I expect it to go up even more from that because I feel like the general reaction from people who have watched this movie um, on Netflix has been fairly positive. And right. I, don't know, I don't know if it's just the people I'm, I see on Twitter or not, but it seems like an overwhelming amount of them like the ending. Like I still, yeah. I still see you know some negativity here and there, but it seems like so, some negativity and also just a little dash of indifference from a couple of people. Um, right. It seems like most people uh, kind of love it, and I think I think it's a pretty jarring uh, twist. Um, but there's a there's a lot in it that I really really love. The first thing I really love about it is the part where Virus is stripping away like the textures and then the color. You know what I'm talking yes. about? Yes, it and looks it, awesome when they do that, and it's showing it's showing it really shows you know the effort that goes into making a video game or one of these animated movies. Yeah. Uh, and, and I said this, uh, I, I reviewed this movie, uh, you know, for geek to geek. And I said, I said in that review that, um, it was really good. And it, I feel like it would have won an Oscar if it was in a Pixar movie. Uh, <laughs> that because, Just that effect. Because yeah. Yeah. Having them stripped that away because they did a similar thing in inside out. Remember when they're running through and there's the different art styles that like, show Oh the Yeah. You know, and that won an Oscar for Best Animated Film. I mean, you know, for other reasons, too. But there was a kind of sort of similar thing in there already. But just that having that kind of effect where it shows all of this, you know, and what it takes to create this world, um, I thought was just super cool. Yeah, it was a really, really cool effect. Like, I liked seeing him turn off the clipping when he tried to reach out and grab Bianca and, uh, like, rip the textures off of the characters even and uh, just remove everything where it peels away. And then when it comes back at the end, because obviously he's going to win, it uh, it shows, like, these HD textures again being applied everywhere. And you can see this stark difference in what the, the game makers and uh, animators had to do actually for this movie Mm -hmm. it it also the ending the ending like seriously no joke i I don't cry during movies i don't even tear up during movies but like the you know i mean there's a few movies i do but and this is one of those movies that like you know i started to tear up a little bit during this twist when it shows like luca getting the getting dragon quest five for the first time from his mom really and he's like sitting in front of the tv and stuff and you know, and maybe part of that is because, you know, my mom died a few years ago and she like bought me video games when I was a kid. So I can yeah. really relate or whatever. But um, but it's really relatable. And it was like this just this really like sweet, uh, sweet moment that I thought, honestly, I thought it fit in perfectly um, with what the overall movie was going for. Yeah, I can um, see that. Because while, while the story is, is kind of based around five that's not really what the movie is about, you know? No, it's and, not. That's what the movie is based on, but it's not what the movie is about. Yeah, and I think maybe that's the disconnect and why some people don't like it is because um, 
is because they they just want like a retelling of five and, and your story isn't just a retelling of five. Like that's not what it's about. And I even I even went to some degree to kind of defend this when I was reviewing it, because um, like to me, it's not really all that surprising that this is the ending because the movie is called Your Story. Right. First of all. Um, so that's kind of like like clue number one here. Two, it opens up with that super Famicom footage, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of, uh, you know, which I feel like kind of goes back to to seeing Luca play on the super Famicom when he was a kid. There's that. You also have to think about why the movie was made. It was only shown like during a weekend during a festival to like celebrate Dragon Quest and its fans. Yes. And, and it, uh, so, it was a very, very limited release as well, I believe. So like, it's really not that surprising that this movie ends up just being a celebration of fans and the fandom. Right. Which is why it is. <laughs> it is. It absolutely is. It's, it's a thank you to be like, Hey, this is your story. Y'all have done this for us. Like, and this is generally considered the best of the Dragon Quest games. So like this is most people's favorite. So it's like, yeah, of course that's the one they would pick. Yeah. And, well, it's also Yuji Hori has said it's his favorite story. He hasn't said it's his favorite. Uh, okay. He said it's his favorite story. And, and I think you also have to think about Yuji Hori when you're thinking about this ending too, is because the whole thing with, you know, that these characters are real because they feel real to you um, yep. is very much in line with, uh, with, you know, Yuji Hori's feelings on video games, you know, I mean, uh, last year, you know, he said life is an RPG, so have fun, which I still kind of want put on my headstone. If I don't get, I want to be the girl with the most cake put on my headstone. (laughs) Put them both on my headstone. Um, But really, like, that's kind of the... But, you know, I mean, that's the guy... This is the guy who, you know, has made Dragon Quest. And so... It's not really that surprising to me that that's what the Dragon Quest Your Story movie is about. And I'm not trying to like nest, I'm not trying to talk down to people who didn't like the movie. If you didn't like it, fine. I'm just telling you why I love it and why I don't necessarily understand that people I don't understand why people hate it. Like I understand why know, people would dislike it. I don't understand why people loathe it. Like like it, like I just feel like if you know this stuff that like there's no way you can hate the ending. Yeah, I see that. I can see where you're coming from on it. Like, it's not that I I don't love the ending. I don't hate the ending. I'm kind of indifferent toward it where I like like Isekai anime where it's you're inside the video game Sword Art Online, Dot Hack, all of those. Like, I love that kind of, of anime. So it works for me. It's like, yep, that's what this is. They even worked into it like it erasing your memories uh, while you're playing the game so that you don't know that you're a person playing this. And like, it's it's really, really cool that they worked that into the universe that they're creating here. And so when it showed that there was uh, a real world outside and that this was inside a video game it's like yeah that's uh that's really cool like i that that fits the story here it's no big deal when i heard about it uh from the japanese version and had that part spoiled for me because i was like i want to know why people are hating on this it's like yeah that's it's a video game movie it's fine for it to be a video game like i guess that's the way i feel about it like it's a video game movie it's like i'm not expecting a like i don't I don't know. It's a video game movie. So it's a video game. I, I, I guess that's the best way I can put it. And to me, it's like if it was just a retelling of Dragon Quest V, I don't think it would be as memorable for me. Like, really? I mean, I, mean, I played Dragon Quest V. Yeah, it's like I know the story. So if I'm watching the story, that's cool because I, I love the story. But to me, it's like the ending is really what kind of sets the movie apart and also kind of gives it the like specialness. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> You know, that's like, that's what makes it special to me is, is right. because it has this ending. I got you. And, and I didn't have that connection with it. Like I didn't, I didn't have any kind of emotional connection to it. Like you did, like where I didn't tear up or anything. I've seen multiple people say that they did, but it wasn't one of those for me, but I totally see how it could. And because of that connection, absolutely. The ending works better for people who had that connection with it. So, Overall, I love this movie. It sounds like you enjoyed it. Would you say you loved it or would you say you I don't liked know if it? I, I like it well enough, yeah. I think is the way that I do it, where I do not in any way dislike it. It's just one of those like, I like this movie. 
Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's one I probably I wouldn't watch it two two times in one day. I guess that's that's where the difference is. It was like I like this movie. I'll probably watch it again. And you're like, I love this so much. I'm watching it again today. Where it's one of those for you. So that's I like it. I like it enough. It's better than I expected it to be based on the original uh, fan reactions. Okay, here you saying that that was something else I wanted to say. Is it? And that's part of the reason why I love this movie so much, too, is because it is far better than I expected it to be. And also, I feel like it's far better than than it should be. Like, Mm. because most video game movies, especially a video game movie that's maybe just put out for like a weekend or whatever. Right. Like a one off kind of deal. I feel like, um, you know, I feel like generally it's you end up with something like. The Nino Cooney movie, Mewtwo Strikes Back. Um, you know, not <laughs> yeah. to say that there's anything wrong with those movies, but it's like you just kind of get a movie version of what those things are. Kind of like when they made The Simpsons into a movie. Yeah, The right? Simpsons movie was just it, a big episode of The Simpsons. Right. And that's kind of what a lot of video, especially animated video game movies, feel like. Right. Right. It's just yep. it, it's just a retelling of one of the other video games, or it's just, you know, a really extended you know, version of that. And so it's kind of like, so, so I was surprised, I guess that dra- how like emotional and the connection I had with Dragon Quest, your story. And, and, you know, I did, I loved it. I, I, I loved it a whole, whole lot. I watched it, um, you know, twice before I even went to work on Thursday morning, and then <laughs> watched it a third time on Saturday. <laughs> um, and I'm sure I will watch it again. I mean, Naomi liked it. My kids like watching animated movies, so I'm sure it'll be one that, you know, is on from time to time. Yeah, it'll um, just be part of the rotation for the kids. Yeah. So I think that's about does it uh, for today's episode on Dragon Quest, your story. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, remember that we do have that new Patreon-exclusive mini sewed up if you want to hear BJ win or lose. Uh, and maybe it owe me $100. Maybe. You got to listen. Um, but thank you guys so much for listening. Remember, you can also talk to us directly on Twitter at DragonQuestFM. Uh, you can also visit our site, which is DragonQuest.FM. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beej. Uh, you can listen to me on the geek to geek podcast. We are in our fifth season and you can find links at geek to geekmediacom We have a Discord and a Slack server if you would like to continue talking with me, with Austin, uh, with the fantastic community that we have there. Uh, you can find links there at geek to geekmediacom And I guess that's it. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. Austin's